as Mark just said, uh, the story goes on from there. And he's right. Uh, the story of Joseph goes on uh, all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. Uh, it ends in chapter 50. Genesis uh, in the Hebrew is the book of beginnings. And today we are reading uh, just the beginning portion of the story of Joseph and what happens to Joseph and his entire family. If you're just joining us, you should know that we're ending a sermon series entitled The Stories We Tell Ourselves. And this Sunday in your bulletin, uh, the story that we have highlighted is I'm innocent. But I have to tell you, uh, the more I have sat with that uh, phrase, I'm innocent this week, I think there's something that is underneath when we say I'm innocent. I think what we're actually saying to ourselves is not, that's not who I am. That's actually not who I am. If you knew who I was, you would know that I would never be able to do that. It's impossible for me to read those words, I'm innocent, and not think of Adnan Syed. And if any of you uh, listened to the podcast Serial that traced the story of Adnan Syed being wrongfully convicted of murder when he was 18 years old, to the new stories that have just emerged this year that he was in fact innocent. What Adnan had been saying the whole time was, that's not who I am. And he tried to say it so the whole world could hear. He, he said, if you knew me, you knew, you would know that I'm not capable of that. That's not who I am. I long for the day and pray that we would have a justice system that doesn't always take over 20 years to catch up to stories that need to be corrected, you know? But I think uh, deep down, we all have had that story at some point in my life, or at some point in our lives saying, that's not who I am. And I think Joseph has something really powerful to teach us this day, something uh, that will reveal God's greater story for our lives. So friends, listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. It is from the 37th chapter from the book of beginnings. It's quite a story. It's quite a story. So listen now for the word of the Lord. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And they could not speak peaceably to him. And once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, oh, you got to listen to this dream that I dreamt. There were uh, binding sheaves in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, and then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down before my sheep. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. They hated him even more because of his dreams and because of his words. Then Joseph had another dream. And he told his dream to his brothers. 
He said, hey, uh, look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come and I and your mother and your brothers and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, just like our kiddo said, by the way. But his father, his father kept the matter in his mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem and a man found him wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, oh, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let's not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but, but lay no hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with the sleeves that he wore, and they took him and they threw him in the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother. Flesh of our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and he returned to his brothers and he said, uh, the boy is gone. And I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat, and they dipped the robe in the blood. They had the long robe with sleeves. They had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, This we have found, 
See now whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and all his daughters sought to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. He was the captain of the guard. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Awaken us, O God. Awaken us to your spirit that hovers here. Your spirit that hovers here in this sanctuary, just as she hovered over the waters of creation. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and your word to us right now. And breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock. And you are our redeemer. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Seventeen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds rarely know that their dreams often sound like other people's nightmares. I mean, 17-year-olds, they have a lot of dreams. They know a lot of things. They see the world a particular way, but 17-year-olds rarely know that sharing those dreams can cause families to create and end up living their nightmares. You know, at 17, you don't know. I mean, how could you? At 17, you don't know that you're not supposed to share your dreams aloud with uh, those closest to you. You don't know at 17 that not everyone is going to believe in your dreams with you. At 17, you believe that if you share your dreams with those that are closest to you, that it will make them love you more. You believe if you share uh, what you see with them in the world, you think that they'll join you there. You believe that what you see and what you know and what you dream is a way for them to belong to you. At 17, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know that your dreams would cause jealousy or create division or sow seeds of such deep resentment I mean, a 17-year-old 
Joseph doesn't know. He just doesn't know. That by sharing his dreams with his brothers will cause them to hate him and in real life create their father's worst nightmare. He just doesn't know. I mean, he could have never even imagined it. Joseph uh, was one of Jacob's uh, 12 sons, and the text reveals that Joseph had a way about himself from the very beginning. The text reveals that uh, Joseph from the very beginning um, was deeply grounded. He had a sense of who he was. Suzanne Stabile might say uh, he was in touch with his essence. Joseph, from the very beginning, made his way through the world deeply grounded. He didn't need anyone else to tell him who he was or what he was supposed to do. And turns out, everyone in his family hated him for it. I mean, from the earliest age, the text says that uh, Joseph went to his father and told some truths about his brothers. The text doesn't say that they were lies. He just said that he told some truths to his father about his brothers. From a very early age, uh, Jacob puts a robe on Joseph. He didn't do anything to earn the title In fact, I'm not even sure he asked for it. He was the favorite son, and he didn't trick anybody into it. He didn't deceive anybody into it. He didn't make a deal. It's just who he was. I'm not even sure at the end of the day, Joseph wanted it. Joseph just knew from his earliest days who he was. He was so grounded in who God had created him to be. He lived from the inside out. He lived from his belovedness of who God created him to be. It's all he knew. It's just how he was. He didn't know any other way but to live that way. He didn't know that you have to grow in to that kind of wisdom if you're going to live that way. He didn't know that living from the inside out and living from the core of who you are is risky. He didn't know that his brothers were going to hate him. He didn't know he was going to end up in a pit. He just knew that he was hardwired to live this way, knowing Something is different than having wisdom, my dear friends. Since the Enlightenment, uh, we have prioritized knowledge. Since the Enlightenment, we have created a, a life and a world and an ecosystem that exists to explain everything. We live in a world where we are born Believing we have to know. You go to the doctor and the doctor has to know. If that doctor doesn't know, that's not a good doctor. 
We live in a world where, um, I don't know, things like balloons fly high up in the sky. And we, we didn't know they were there. But once we know they're there, we want to know everything right now. We deserve to know. Knowing and having wisdom are two different things. Suzanne Stabile uh, says it this way. She says, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. From his earliest days, Joseph knew who he was at his core, and he lived from that place. But if you're going to live that way, you got to grow into that wisdom. And Joseph, he just didn't have the wisdom to know that you can't show up as your true self with just anybody. I mean, Joseph just didn't know. I mean, you've got to be really wise about who you share your deepest essence with. I mean, Joseph just didn't know. You have to be wise if you're going to talk about your dreams and you don't share your dreams with just anybody. I mean, Joseph, he didn't know. If you have an idea, you don't always give it away. Joseph didn't know that if you see things a little differently, if you have a vision for the way that things can be, you can't trust everybody with it. Joseph had not, he didn't know that not everybody is trustworthy. Joseph didn't know that just because he was going to share his deepest truth with his family and the world that they weren't going to love him for, and they, he didn't know that they weren't going to echo that same story back to him. He didn't know. He didn't know that they were going to hear his dreams and hear his visions and be so offended that they wanted to kill him and they wanted to hate him and that they would end up writing a different story than the story that Joseph was trying to tell them. He had no idea at 17 that the story they were going to write for him sounded like, I don't know who that uh, kid thinks he is, but he sounds arrogant to me. I don't know who this little brother of ours thinks he is. Remember, he was the youngest brother of 12. <laughs> I don't know why he's so cocky. He seems a little big for his britches to me. Shouldn't we put him in his place? His dreams? Sounds convenient that he's adopted God on his side. How can we um, even trust that what he is saying to us happened in a dream world is actually true? It sounds demeaning to me. It's threatening to our whole family system. To them, he was arrogant, cocky, and egotistical from the day that he arrived on the planet and in the family system. His dreams weren't truth-telling, and they weren't trying to give a promise that was God's promise, they were a threat to them. And so what do they do? They strip him of all that. 
they strip him of all of that and they throw him into a pit thinking that they, they can just kill him, kill his dreams, kill his visions. You know, show him who he really is, you know? Friends, you have to be really careful who you show your true self to. Friends, you have to be really, really careful who you share your dreams with. You have to be um, very intentional You have to be really intentional about what's between you and God and where you share that in public. I heard a wise uh, person once say, the easiest time to kill something is in its infancy stage. The easiest time to kill something is when it's in its infancy stage, you know, before it has had a chance to grow up and to um, sort of get strong and to grow into itself. The easiest time to kill something is before it's had a time to grow up and to grow into itself and when it's in the infancy stage. If you share an idea in its infancy, it's easy to kill it. If you share a dream that you have and it's not fully developed with someone that you shouldn't share it with, it's easy to strip it and to throw it into a pit. There's a reason in the book of Exodus that Moses um, was born when there was a decree in all the land that no Hebrew slave boys should be allowed to live, that they should be killed, and Moses is put into a basket and hidden away because it's the easiest time to kill something when it's in its infancy stage. You gotta know and be really careful about who you share your deep stuff with. Because if you put something out there when it's in its infancy stage, people will come and they will just kill it. They'll take it and strip it of everything that has meaning to you and they will throw it into a pit. And I've learned this. um, When your dreams are killed at an early age, can end up taking on someone else's dream as your own. Right? Imagine for me just a moment, um, Bradley Hunter Welch at like 10 years old. And Bradley uh, sitting at an organ bench, you know, trying to figure out all the uh, pedals and the knobs and the pulls and all those things. And um, imagine at 10 years old, it didn't sound like it did this morning, you know? And someone uh, as an adult walking up and saying, uh, Bradley, what do you want to do one day? And he says, I have a dream of being um, the organist for the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, and I would like to uh, play for Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. And I have this vision that I one day will travel around the world and play organ concerts, and people will show up. And can you imagine a person who hears that from a 10-year-old Bradley going, Bradley, that sounds really good, but... Um, statistically speaking, do you know 
that there's only one person who gets to play the organ for the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. And do you know how many people on the planet right now are learning how to play the organ? And what makes you think that one day you are going to be able to go and play concerts everywhere in the world? And what makes you think that people are going to show up and hear you play? Are you sure you want to do that? What if you go to school, you can minor in that, but go get like a professional degree, and then you can do that on the side on the weekends, and I'm sure it'll bring you joy. The world can take a dream and an idea and a vision for your life and kill it without even knowing it. They can take everything that you know to be true about yourself and throw it in a pit and you can end up taking on someone else's dream and story. Thank God Bradley didn't do that and thank God he's not working in an office somewhere downtown because this is what we know about when dreams are killed. Often when dreams are killed and visions are shut down, it's often by people who had their own dreams and their own visions and their own selves shut down when they were little. And that is unresolved anger and animosity and deep hurt that has not gone resolved. And so what they do is they take all of that hurt that had been passed down to them and they end up putting it on you. And that's how dreams get killed. It's brothers who show up and feel like they're not fully loved by their dad and they can't figure out why. And if they're not fully loved by dad, then you aren't going to be loved by dad. And so we got to be really, really, really careful, my friends, with who we share our deep stuff with, but we have to be very, very, very careful how we respond to other people's dreams. We got to be really careful that we don't end up throwing other people's visions into a pit where they don't belong. When Joseph uh, emerges, emerges from the pit, he emerges a different person. When he emerges uh, from the pit, he emerges as a person who has some wisdom that he didn't have before he went into the pit. That's the gift of the pit. It always reveals and gifts us a wisdom that we didn't have before we went into it. When he emerges from the pit, he now knows that he can't share everything with the whole world. He knows that he can't kill other people's dreams. And so Joseph continues to live out of his core, but he has more compassion. He's wiser. So much so that when uh, his brothers come to him many years later, and Joseph is in a place of great prominence, and he has access to food and resources, his brothers show up needing uh, food and grain. Joseph doesn't go, I am so glad you guys are now bowing down to me. Told you I was right. No, that's not what Joseph did. When you emerge from the pit, you have some wisdom and you have some compassion that you didn't have before you went into the pit. When his brothers arrive, he doesn't out himself because he doesn't know if they're trustworthy. Joseph 
invites them into a, a deeper relationship with him. He asks them to prove that they are trustworthy, and in so doing, what Joseph invites them to do is to live from the inside out. Joseph invites his brothers to stop living from the outside in of their circumstances and taking everything on and to begin living from the inside out of their essence, their core, and who God created them to be. And in so doing, his brothers take care of their family and their, his brothers return their youngest brother to him. And what happens? The nightmare that the family created and lived becomes the dream that God most had for their family. They just have the wisdom to be able to see it now. If we would have lived this way the whole time, if we would have lived this way the whole time, we could have seen God's bigger story. My dear friends, the gift of God is between you and God. Be careful who you share the deep stuff with. Begin to live from the inside out so that you might grow in wisdom and have greater compassion for yourself, for the other, and for the world. Will you pray with me?